Good morning, friends. How is everybody? Ooh, I heard a wonderful. I like that. We showed up today. So, um, oh, hang on a minute. I got to get myself back to where I need to be here before I get started. All right, so we are in the midst of transitioning um, between sermon series. So we just finished up with, um, oh, here we go. We just finished up with our grace, our sermon series about grace, and we're going to transition into our sermon series about prayer. But before we do that, Yosmar said, you know, let's just take a week and you can preach on whatever you want. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. We may see how long it takes for him to do that again. Oh, but uh, so before we get started, before we dig in, um, so we've titled this From Here to There, and we're going to get there, but right now we're going to spend some time here before we really bring all of this around. And so what I'm going to do first, it's been a while since we have taken the opportunity to have a moment of reflection, conversation during a sermon. So when I was started to write this, um, God was like, I think it's time we do that. So introverts, I'm sorry. This one is not for you. I'll remember you next time, I promise. Extroverts, though. Woohoo! Oh, yeah, it's getting real. All right, so I want us to take some time to get with other people around four, no more than four. We want to have opportunity for everybody to be able to share, and it's just a short time. But I want us to talk about what does God desire in his relationship with you. What does God desire with his relationship with you? And I know you're probably gonna want a little more information, but guess what? That's all you got. So get with some folks, move around, get out of the pew you always sit in, and go sit with somebody else and have talk about this, and then we'll come back.
about 30 more seconds. bunch. I love it. I know you're not done. There's too many ones over here, Linda and Danielle. I see you like we got to break that up over there. All right. So I, I love doing things like this because so often we see fellowship kind of out, you know, in the lobby, but we don't really get to talk a lot in the sanctuary and it's just a lively thing. So thank you for enticing me there for indulging me. Anybody want to throw out anything about your relationship, about God's desire for a relationship? Anybody want to throw anything out you talked about? You have to be loud. Two-way. Two-way. It's a two-way relationship. Yes. Anybody else? Huh? Trusting. Yes. Trust. Awesome. Stay connected. You may have just stolen my thunder. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just picking on Robbie. She didn't steal my thunder. It's okay. When I was thinking about how to phrase the question for this time, at first I was thinking maybe I should ask or talk about describe your relationship with God. But I think what that would have done is it would have made us think about it from our lens. Well, it should be like this but I just don't have enough time, and I wish I could be that way, or it could be different, or there could be more. We could go deeper. It would have made it more me-focused. So in the way that it was phrased this morning, it was more from God's lens, what God desires for us, more about God's plan for us, more about His mercy, His love, and His grace. When we look at Scripture, we see that that's exactly how He wants us to look at this relationship with him. He wants us to see it from his perspective, from his view. And so the scripture we're going to dig into, and I'm really excited about it, it's such a rich scripture, to talk about this is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 and 11 through 14. I'm skipping around a little bit, but I'm excited to dig in. So let's get started, all right? Hear the word of God this morning from the book of Ephesians. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. Oh, man, the word of God for the people of God. This is such good stuff. I don't even have to say anything else. 
Like this preaches itself. This is so much rich knowledge for us about God's relationship for us and with us. And to begin, I want to dig in just a little bit and highlight some parts of this. It's really important for us in looking at the role and relationship of God in us. So I want you to read this highlighted part with me, the yellow part. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children in Christ Jesus. Ooh. Do y'all hear that? Before the foundation of the world, he chose us. He destined us. What this scripture is telling us, and this is just one instance, but all throughout scripture, from cover to cover, book to book, chapter to chapter, verse to verse, what scripture shows us is God is active. And he is actively seeking us. He actively seeks us. When I think on, think back on my first understanding of God, it was very much a God is just up there far away. He's not, you know, flicking me in the head whenever I'm doing something bonehead and stupid. And then when I'm doing something good, he's like, you're doing great. And then it's like, smack you on the head. You're messing up again. Let's get back on track. And every now and then, you know, he's throwing out good chances or bad chances or good luck and bad luck. He's just not involved. You know, he loved me, and I knew he loved me, but there was a very unhealthy understanding of the type of God he was. And it's wrong. It was wrong. For a long time, I had a misunderstanding of who God was in my own life. God is actively working in the world. Right now, he is working. His plan is unfolding. And he actively wants to work in you and actively wants to work through you for his good. That's exciting, right? That's exciting stuff. And there's all kinds of other nuggets. Let's take a look at some more. So we're going to turn from the yellow highlight, and we're going to look at the green or blue, depending on whatever. Some it would say, that's teal, mommy. <laughs> I know. So if you would, let's... Now I want you to read the blue portion, okay? So just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. All right, so let's go to the next section here. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, and we're going to skip, so that we might live for the praise of his glory. And then lastly, when we had believed in him, we had heard the truth, what were we marked with? We were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. These verses... Not only do they confirm our salvation, hallelujah, they confirm our salvation when we hear the truth, we believe in Jesus Christ and who he is, and so we have salvation because of that belief. But what these verses also do is highlight and affirm that call we have to holiness. And we just talked about that a couple of weeks ago. This call to holiness that we have and this call to live lives that point and reflect to the glory of God. Our lives are called to be the light of the world, to shine 
who Jesus is through our actions and with our words. So you'll notice I've got water up here. I'm really thirsty today. Oh, that fell flat. That's okay. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. So this is about half full. Can everybody kind of see that this is half full? I want to be sure everybody can see. So it's about half full. So what happens if I pour another half? Where will it be? We're going to call that full to the brim, however you want to say it. Can it get any fuller? No. So what's going to happen if I pour more? <gasps> I'm going to make a mess. I know my ones are going, stop pouring. You're making a mess. It's going to get on our new floor. It's okay. It will. It'll be fine. We'll clean it up. It's just water. It spills over. It's good stuff. It spills over. Now what happens if I pick this up? Whoa. It's going to spill. Because I ain't got that kind of steady hand. It's going to spill. And plus, this table's really wobbly, so it's going to spill. So it fills over to the brim. So this illustration shows us what our lives are supposed to look like. We're supposed to splish and splash and make a mess everywhere we go of the Holy Spirit and God's love pouring out and spilling over the brim because we are so full that it's just going to bust over the brim. Can it ever run out? Can the Holy Spirit ever run out of filling us to the brim and pouring over? No. It, he can't. We can never pour out enough. We're never going to run out. We may feel like we are tired and we got nothing else to give. But, the, but God is going to provide. He's going to continue pouring into us allowing it to spill over in all that we do. So how do we do this? Give me some application here. How can I experience this in my life to get so much of the Holy Spirit that it's filling over the brim? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to talk about this. So the first way is to abide. And abide is a really churchy word. We don't say that a lot, you know. So what does this word mean? All right, so... When we look at how it's used in the Old Testament and how it's used in the New Testament, it may give us some light here. In the Old Testament, the word used for abide is yeshab. And it means make to inhabit, to keep house, to marry. What happens when you get married? What happens to those two people? They become one. They join in flesh together. They become one. In the, in the New Testament, the Greek word is mano, and it means to stay, to dwell, to endure. Marriage, sometimes that can be enduring. To be present and to remain. Again, there is no separation. You're always staying connected. Right, Robbie? We're always staying connected. I think of this word abide as home. You know when you go on long trips... And you come back, and there's just nothing. You're like Dorothy, clicking your heels together. There's no place like home. And I pray that when you come into this place, you feel that presence. You feel God's presence, and you feel like you've been wrapped in a warm blanket. And you're in a place that makes you feel safe and comfortable, but not too safe. Because following Christ isn't safe, is it? we got to step outside our comfort zone. 
we got to feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit to do things that feel risky, but that God is calling us to do. But that's not the only place we feel God's presence is here. Because remember what we learned? God is active. He's actively seeking us. He has been seeking us from the very beginning of time. When we think about Adam and Eve, when they first sinned and the fall of humanity happened, God went in the garden and what did he say? Where are you? He's always seeking after us. And in verse 14, what are we marked with? Holy Spirit. We are marked with the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit isn't an angel or just a fleeting spirit that's kind of here and there and goes from place to place. The Holy Spirit, we are temples of God now. The Holy Spirit reigns within us, lives within us. God lives within us. And when we go out into the world and we get into the busyness of our lives and we disconnect from that and we don't acknowledge that the Holy Spirit's there, which, of course, it happens, when we center ourselves and we make that space or we take that opportunity to reconnect and we breathe, we realize we're home. We can feel God's presence with us, knowing that his presence has never left us, that even though we disconnected, he never did. That is abiding in Christ. And I love the scripture we find in John 15, 4. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus tells us right here, abide in me as I abide in you. He's letting us know right there he is always with us. He's always working. What happens if you pluck a grape from the vine and you don't eat it? It's going to rot. It's going to die. In order for us to have life, and life abundant, the way God intended for our lives to be, in order to experience that to the fullest, we have to stay attached to the life source. And that life source is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, next is remembrance. And I have this word up here called onamnesis. If you walk into my office, if you've been in there, you'll see I have two pictures on the wall as you come in. And one's a picture of a basin and a pitcher is pouring water in. And then the other picture is a man who has his hands in the water. It's just his hands. So that picture is of the basin that was at my seminary that we had in chapel. And the hands are actually the president's hands uh, for when we were attending there. And I had a friend draw those pictures. He painted them and we were able to buy them. And this word, onamnesis, is on the picture of pouring the water into the basin. Remembrance. And I know it seems almost trivial to talk about remembering, but when we read the Old Testament, why did the Israelites always mess up? Because they kept forgetting. They kept forgetting 
who God was, what God had done for them. They kept forgetting they were God's people. And so Jesus, in the New Testament, in his life, he gives us two sacraments, both to remember him. Communion and baptism. Both to remember the acts of the life of Jesus and his death and what that means for us. That we are redeemed, we are washed by the water and by the blood and claimed, adopted into that family to remember. I know when we do communion here once a month, by the time that rolls around, I am starving. I am thirsty. I want all of it. That's why I was so excited when we got the Hawaiian bread back. <laughs> I'm going to eat it all. I need all that grace I can get. That is the means of grace that Jesus gave us. He instituted so that we could remember who we are. Remember who he is. And remembering our baptism, it doesn't have to be a formal water, rain, any kind of water. Just remember that you have been cleansed, that you are free. You don't live into the bondage of shame and sin anymore. I've heard it said when we talk about doing communion more, people have said, well, I'm just afraid it'll get boring or it won't mean as much anymore. But it's totally opposite of that. The more we do it, the more we will want it. And it's because we discover how desperately we need Jesus. How quickly our brains forget and our minds forget that God is living within us. And I just want to say, if at any portion, at any time, a small group or a small group of people want to do communion, you just let Yosemar and I know. We'll be there like that. We can share that at any time. You just let us know. And we'll come and do that with you. We remember, not only through these sacraments, but just through our day, what God has done, what God is doing right now, and what God will continue to do forever. And lastly is obedience. It's, in culture, it's just a bad word. It's like, I don't want to do what people are telling me to do. I want to do what I want. I have some kids that show us that well. <laughs> Boy, they're cute. If they're lucky, they're cute. What's really funny is as I was going through trying to find pictures of, of these kids with this kind of face. I really struggled to find one of Summit. I was like, I know I've got some of Summit, but she was like one and a half, two, and now she's almost six. Well, God provided. <laughs> just yesterday. Just yesterday. Someday, my kids are going to say, don't you use that in a sermon. But not today. Not today. When we think about obedience, it makes us uncomfortable. You know, it's like, I just, I have my own will, though. I have my own desires. I got my own wants. But obedience is Christ. Obedience in Christ is a whole other thing. 
when we obey God's way, we move towards our true selves. We move onto a path of freedom, a path of joy, true, lasting joy, real goodness, of bearing the image of God and who he is when we obey him. When we understand God, we understand who he is, we understand how vital it is to do his ways, to live into his ways so that we can be more free. Because that's who we were created to be. When we submit to God, we discover the parts of ourselves that God is waiting to activate, to unleash, to free. When we submit to God, we surrender to his will, we respond to his goodness and his love, we discover the parts of ourselves that God has been waiting to activate. That's exciting, yeah? Responding is exactly what all this has been about. He's simply waiting for us to respond. Abiding in Christ is simply responding to that provenient grace that we talked about a few weeks ago, that justifying grace, that sanctifying grace that continues to mold us and shape us. Remembering is simply waking up every day and responding to the Holy Spirit, to God living within us already right now. Obeying is simply responding to his love through learning his ways and living into them for the praise of his glory. If you're here today, I can assume that you want to know more of God. If you're watching, you're seeking him. You want to know more about him. You want to be closer to him. I've got good news. God wants to give you more. He wants to draw you nearer. That is his deepest desire for you, to know him more deeply, to hear him more clearly, to trust in him. And when you do this, when you respond over and over again and practice that, you should be able to look back and go, well, over this past year, I can see where... I have grown, where I'm deeper in relationship with God. I'm more loving. I'm more empathetic. I'm more patient. Each phase of our maturity as disciples in Christ build upon one another, which is so important to know that what got you here won't get you there. What brought you to baptism where you were in that moment in your life is not going to get you to full maturity in Christ. What brought you to joining a small group won't get you to facilitating one. What got you to church here today or on any Sunday won't get you to serving on Sunday. 
by greeting or ushering or spending time in our children's area, by helping out with our tech team, by worshiping, if you have a musical talent, by doing these things. And you may be thinking, oh, well, that's good because I don't want to do any of that. And maybe you don't. But what if God does? He's calling us to obey Him. Obedience is a way that we respond. You see, if we respond to God by saying no, then we'll never experience Him more fully. We'll never be more than we are right now. And that goes for us not only individually, but as a church. If we respond as a church, no, to the way God is trying to lead us or direct us or guide us, we will never be more than we are right now. And you may be thinking, well, I like where we are right now. And that's good. But whose church is it? It's God's church. It's God's church. He is leading us and guiding us and directing us to do what He wants us to do. What got you here won't get you there. Let's pray, friends. God, we thank you so much for your love, that it is uncomfortable sometimes, that you do push us out of our comfort zones. But when we trust in you, God, when we say yes, and we abide in you, and we remember you, and we obey you, we know that not only have you called us to that moment, and that you're with us in that moment, but you have equipped us in that moment. You're just waiting for us to respond so that we can splash and cause a mess of your love everywhere we go. Not only experiencing that change in our own lives, but seeing change in the lives of those around us. God, we pray that you convict our hearts, that you challenge us this morning, that you speak clearly to us through the word that you've given us this morning of how we are called to answer, how we are called to live in a way that brings you glory and praise. Lord, we lift these things to you in Jesus' holy name, believing in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Every week we hold a space after the sermon. Typically, we sing a song. Sometimes we have communion. Those are all opportunities to respond. Opportunities to realize and acknowledge that we serve an active God who is active here right now, actively seeking you, waiting to activate a part of you that he's been waiting to activate for a long time. And through this responsive time, Sometimes you got to act, maybe through singing, maybe through standing up, even though nobody else is, but that's what God's telling you to do, even though it may feel weird, by praising, lifting your hands up, which may also feel a little weird, by coming up here to pray, by asking someone to pray for you or with you. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing today, but I know he's doing something, and I know he's waiting for us to respond.